Bible. Yeah, you did. Good morning. You know, the songs like uh, I Can Only Imagine, Amazing Grace, Redeemed, Closer Walk With Thee, they bring a great deal of peace to my soul. And so does uh, reading the scripture. If you would uh, take out your Bibles, join with me and uh, to, to turn to Luke, the 10th chapter. In Luke, the 10th chapter, we'll be uh, starting reading at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I can relate to Martha. How about you? Busy getting things ready. I just want a helping hand. Somebody had to prepare the meal. Jesus wasn't there to do a miracle and make the meal happen. But Jesus told Mary, Martha, that she was worried about many things. Perhaps Martha had a case of what ifs. What if they don't like my food? What if there's not enough? What if the preparations and the decorations don't meet everyone's approval? We can be bothered with the what ifs in life. What if I'd taken the other job? What if I'd saved more money? What if I'd learned a different trade? What if I'd gone to college? What if I'd made better friends? What if I'd made better choices? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't meet their expectations? What if God doesn't love me? Enough already, I tell you. Just as Satan twisted God's words in the Garden of Eden to convince Eve to eat the apple, he's setting the bait for us that we fall short of God and he doesn't love us don't take the bait yes there are times we may make decisions that are not in our own best interest and may not be aligned with the plans God has for us but whatever shortcomings we may think we have God still loves us we need to replace the what ifs with even ifs or even though even though things do not go as we plan, it is the Lord who forgives all my sin, cures all my disease, who redeems me from the pit, crowns me with love and compassion, and satisfies my desires for good things so that my youth 
may be renewed like an eagle's. The Lord's work is righteous and justice for all oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. I remember growing up, we'd be told, company's coming. That wasn't necessarily a good thing. That meant it was time to get the house in shape, get everything put away, cleaned up, spick and span. It's like we were ready for a military inspection. And I always felt, you know, we ought to just let people see us how we really are. Martha is a picture of an individual who is planned out and determined. And that's what her focus is on. I can relate to that. Mary is a picture of one who is humble, attentive, submissive, and teachable, who's at the Lord's feet, ready to listen and learn. Jesus did not tell Martha she was wrong. We need to be clear about that. But like a good father, he told her that Mary made a better choice and it would not be taken from her. For those of you who have heard me talk about having the opportunity to have the last meal with my mother before she passed, not knowing she would not be there the following day, that memory was not taken from me and never will be. And Mary's time at Jesus' feet will never be taken from her, no matter what life would it bring to her. Relationships are not static. They're not automatic. They're always in motion. They either go forward or backward. And they take work, whether it's with people at work, our friends, family, spouse, or Jesus. They take a degree of intimacy if they're going to grow. We should strive to know Christ more intimately and have a closer walk with him and not let the business of the world interfere. Jesus told Martha that Few things are needed, and indeed only one. He was referring to himself as he's the bread of life, and he loves us the way we are. We need to cast our cares upon Jesus. If you've been a fisherman or gone fishing, you know what it means to cast out. But unlike a fisherman, we're not supposed to reel those cares back in. Cast them on Jesus and let them go. We can either worry or we can worship, but you can't do both at the same time. I've told my granddaughter when she gets angry or upset that she needs to turn her focus to Jesus because it's impossible for her or any of us to have our eyes on Jesus and dwell on what's upsetting us. A lady named Brandy struggled to believe that God loved her, even though she'd been told many times that he did. She felt that God's love was reserved for those who were more talented, more beautiful, or more holy. She poured out her concerns to a friend of hers that she trusted, and her friends assured her that God loved her just the way she was. They left the meeting and she went through a drive through to get some chili. And while she's in line, she's looking in the rearview mirror. And so she slowly puts on her sunglasses to cover up her bloodshot eyes 
because she thinks they reflect her broken spirit. She approaches the, the drive through window and is prepared to pay for her meal. And the clerk on the other side says, no. The vehicle in front of you paid for your meal. And they want me to tell you, God loves you. God can send us reassurance when we need it. Yesterday, I came to church to get a few things ready for today, and the phone rang. So much for my well-laid plans for the day. The individual on the other end started spilling out her troubles that she'd been through in the last week. And she laid out her current issue. She was stranded down here at the McDonald's. Her vehicle wouldn't run. It needed a new alternator. She had no money. A local mechanic had offered to change the alternator for her after work, free of charge, volunteered his time. He made arrangements at a local parks house for the parts she needed if she could just find somebody who would pay for the alternator for her. I told her I would see what I could do for her. I talked to the mechanic. He verified her story and what she needed and that he was willing to volunteer his time. I went and acquired the alternator and took it to her and told the mechanic it was there for him. And I prayed with the lady and told her that while you know Satan's working overtime on you, God's got a plan. Do not let any negative words come out of your mouth. Do not give Satan a foothold. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We need to choose life. Keep those negative words captive and do not release them at all. And I want to, as she thanked me as I left, I want to thank you as well because all of you were a part in helping that lady. And helping her brought to mind a verse in Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sophia Deckenfels was a German-born maid living in New York City when she'd heard a sermon, and she decided to follow Christ. She lived in a tenement house on West 44th Street, and she scrubbed floors. She said, God has called me to preach, but I am poor, so I must work. I do good work, and I'm trusted, so they want me. I scrub unto the Lord, and I preach unto all in the house. She said she prayed for 12 years that God would make her a missionary. And one day God spoke to her and said, Where were you born? Germany. And where do you live now? America. And who lives above you? Oh, a family of Swedes. And above them, some Swiss. And behind, some Italians. And down the street, some Chinese. You have not spoken to any of them about my son. 
why would I send you a thousand miles away to be a missionary? It struck a chord with Sophie. She was already a missionary. She just needed to reach out to the ones there. We don't have to be a thousand miles away. It starts in her own backyard. She was in a foreign country where she was born. She was already a foreign missionary. Our own backyard, our neighborhood, and our city is where it starts. And that conversation changed things for Sophie. Katie and Bill had two small children. They would often come into their bedroom at night after bedtime. Sounds a little familiar to me. <clears throat> and Katie complained to Bill that, you know, it's bedtime. We need to tell them to stay in their room so we can get the rest we need. Bill disagreed with her. He said, we are their parents. It is our job to protect them to teach them, and to comfort them. About a month later, little five-year-old Ricky come down the hallway and stood by his mother's side and stared at her. Katie pretended to be asleep. Figured Bill can handle it this time. And after a while, little Ricky goes around the bed where his dad's at. And then shortly he goes back down the hall and back to his bedroom. The next morning in the kitchen, when Ricky came in, Katie asked her, you came in the room last night, what did you, what'd you need? And after a little pause, Ricky said, well, I just want to tell you I loved you and give you a hug. At that moment, Katie realized what she had lost out on and what Bill had got. Ricky is an example of what Christ is. He stands in front of us waiting to come in and tell us he loves us and give us a hug. He won't force his way in. He only comes where he's welcome. And that choice is ours. If you have a decision to make today and would like to gather at the feet of Jesus, cast your cares and worries and what-ifs on him, won't you come as we stand to sing a song of invitation? With all of the craziness, the fighting, unrest, and divisiveness going on in the world today, there's never been a better time to make Jesus the Lord of your life.